Good morning, and welcome to Awaken Church. Grace and peace to you all. I'm excited. Today is a good day. Being able to worship together, being able to fellowship together. This weekend's been a good weekend. Women having their time on Friday night. That was exciting. I've heard nothing but good things, even though I wasn't invited to be there and to be a part. Men, we had a fantastic time last night. We probably stayed up a bit later than we should have, but man, that was, that was a fun time, and I'm enjoying it slash regretting it this morning. So, um, And the opportunity we have today to come together and spend time with some of the best people you will ever know in this life. And I'm excited about what's going to happen after church today. We're going to be having baptisms out at the beach I'm excited about that. I pray that you guys are all planning to join us and be a part of that celebration, to celebrate new life, to celebrate obedience together as the body. And from a teaching perspective, I'm also excited about launching into a new series this week that uh, we've entitled The Core. And what this series is going to be about is we're going to spend the next seven weeks going through our movement's eight core values. Seven weeks going through eight core values. We're pastors, so we don't have to be good at math, but that's kind of what's going to be happening over the course of the next seven weeks or so. And as I look ahead, I'm excited about the opportunity to teach through our core values because this is a part of our DNA. Our core values represent things that we hold dear, not necessarily in terms of doctrine, but in terms of how we practice, how we as a church choose to live, to exist, to fellowship together, what binds us together. Not only that for our church, but for our Great Commission movement as a whole. So let me share what I mean by that for those of you who might not know. As Awakened Church, we are an independent church that is chosen to be in relationship with a larger church movement called Great Commission Churches. And that's just an acknowledgement to the realization that we can accomplish more united with the body of believers than just simply on our own. And there are three things that define this partnership that we have with Great Commission. The first and foremost is relationship. Each of the four pastors in this church and many of the leaders in this church at Awaken have a relationship with pastors and leaders that are part of the greater, broader GCC Association, which is made up of about like 83, 84 churches across the United States. And these 83, 84 churches are divided up into six regions across the United States. And our church is specifically part of what's called the Southeast region. It includes Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, and North Carolina specifically. If I said that wrong, that should be about right. So... Anyway, we, uh, and as Great Commission, one of the things that we choose to do as an independent church, knit together with this broader fellowship of churches, is that we get together four times a year intentionally, and then sometimes above and beyond that. So we tend to get together in April, the pastors and wives do, for a relationship building time. So typically we don't invite others because we want, we need that time to know each other and to build a relationship because that's what our movement's about. It's not purely about doctrines and things we believe, it's about relationship ties that bind us. And then over this summer we have what's called a pastor's conference that all the pastors from all the different 80 some odd churches come together and we learn together, grow together, unite and fellowship together. And then during the fall, actually this coming weekend, we have 
our Florida regional, which is not even our full region getting together. It's just the Florida churches getting together for a time of equipping. And during this time, it's not just for the pastors. It's for all of the leaders in the different churches. And so uh, many of our leaders, right, who have been invited to be a part of that time and will partake in that time. And then finally, the fourth time we get together is at the end of the year at a conference we call Faith Walkers. There are two Faith Walkers that take place. We are part of the East one, so we have like half of the regions come together at that time, just because everybody getting together would just be unsustainable. So that's kind of how we work, right? So first and foremost, what defines our relationship with Great Commission is relationships. Secondarily, it's what we call our statement of faith. And our statement of faith are those doctrines that we profess to believe, the hills that we're going to die on. That's what defines our statement of faith. In other words, if we're not bought into these, so we don't pick a lot of controversial topics to have in our statement of faith. Our statement of faith is basically what we believe about God, what we believe about Jesus, what we believe about man, what we believe about the Holy Spirit, what we believe about salvation, what we believe about what comes after we die, right? Uh, so these are the types of doctrines that bind us together. And when you look at them, we post them in our website, you're going to find that it's really common. It's, it's, they're, they're not, there's nothing crazy in there, right? In fact, if you come from a mainline Christian denomination, it's going to feel very familiar. Those are our core essentials doctrines, and that's also part of what binds us. In other words, we all have to be, all 83, 84 churches are in agreement that this is the core of what we believe. And then we have what's called our core values. Not every movement has these, these core values, and they're not as much doctrines as they are declarations of what we value. And so I'm going to dive in. I'm going to give you an overview of them. It's going to reflect the overview of our series, and then... I'm gonna dive into what we're gonna talk about today. So we have eight core values. The first one is the grace of God, which we're gonna be covering today. And the idea that God, it's God's grace is the source of our strength, both personally and as a church. The second is commitment to God and his word. This is why it's important. This is not a, a doctrine, right? This is a value we have that we encourage our saints to be in the word regularly so that you would know God and what he has to say to you and how he wants you to live. The Great Commission is, part, is the third part of our core value, that we believe that five times in the scriptures, Jesus has given us a mandate regarding our purpose here on earth, and it's represented in that great commission, to share the gospel with the world and disciple them to maturity. Every nation, every tribe, every people group in existence. That is our responsibility. The church, God has created the local church to be the primary vehicle by which his will and purposes are accomplished. That's not to disparage mission groups or mission organizations. We're just saying God's plan A is the church. Church leadership, so here's where we're gonna teach those two together. That's the seven teachings, eight core values. So church leadership, we believe, one of the distinctives in Great Commission is we believe in plurality of elders in the local congregation. What that means is we're not huge fans of single pastor-led congregations because we just feel like that's a bit dangerous, right? We believe the biblical model, even in Titus, when he was sent out to appoint elders in every city as I directed you. And so we lead in plurality to guard the church and to guard one another. That's an important value we hold. Love and unity. It seems like one of those things that should just be unspoken. I appreciate the Great Commission says we are not going to take love and unity for granted. And so we write it into our core values and say, this is how we choose to live, in a loving and gracious way, united, and that, that unity is reflected in our leadership 
and then flows out to the church. Raising godly families. I also appreciate that our movement has chosen to put this as one of our core values, that families, raising godly families is a value we want to impress upon our people to affirm strong marriages, to affirm godly families, and we will do our part as a church to come alongside to be a part of making that happen. Just as a note, so about five or six years ago, our association took a survey across all the churches, the 83, 84 churches in Great Commission, and just asked the pastors, give us a report of what the divorce rate is in ours. There's a number of other questions, but that was one of them that was asked of your people in your church that you know of currently and also recently that might have just joined or left our church. You know what they found is that the divorce rate was less than 5% across Great Commission churches. That means 95 plus percent of the families and couples in Great Commission churches are still together and loving one another. That is a huge praise, that's amazing. And finally, our final value is, this core value is every member is a minister. In other words, we don't believe that pastors and staff are the ones that do the work of making sure that everything is done in the church. Instead, we believe that we're a body and that each of us has a part to play. And the pastors and staff, their job is to equip and empower you to be and do what God has called you to be and do. That's how God has designed the body to work. So that's our church's core values. Those are our movement's core values. Many of you have heard them before, especially if you've been part of our partnership class, but it's always good to review. And that is going to be at the heart of what we're going to go through over the course of the next seven weeks in our series. So... Lengthy introduction aside, we're going to talk today about the grace of God. Grace. Grace is at the foundation of our Christian faith, and we hope is a value that gets taught regularly in every church. It's been a while since we've actually taught on this subject specifically in our church, but the value of grace has been woven into everything we do, right? It's a DNA thing. Even if we don't talk about it overtly, it is a part of who we are and what we want to accomplish and who our what our identity and DNA looks like as a church body. So here's how we're going to begin. We're going to start with uh, having a common understanding of what grace is and what grace means. So the most basic definition of grace probably isn't going to come as a surprise to most of you. The most common definition of grace is God's unmerited, unwarranted favor. In other words, God's grace is a result of us receiving from God what we absolutely do not deserve. Us receiving what we do not deserve. That is a simple definition. But Here's a little hidden secret in that definition that I don't want us to miss, right? When we define and understand grace is receiving from God what we do not deserve, what we can't overlook is the question of, well, what did we deserve? What do we deserve? And what the gospel tells us, what the Bible teaches, is that all of us are sinners, we have broken at one point in time, at some point in our time, or at some point in time in our lives, we have all broken at least one of God's laws. Maybe a long time ago, maybe quite recently, maybe some of you this morning, don't tell me about that one, right? And we have disobeyed God in some form or another. We, we've taken something that didn't belong to us, that is stealing. 
We've longed for, we have desired something that belongs to someone else. That's coveting. We have treated our parents badly, right? That's dishonoring our parents. We've had an affair or fantasized about having an affair repeatedly in our minds. That's adultery, right? We've lied intentionally with the desire or intent of deceiving another person. That's, that's lying, right? Bearing false witness. There's something in our lives that we consistently long for other than God. That is idolatry, right? These are just a few examples of sin. I can go on and on. You get the picture. We have all, each of us, consciously and intentionally, at some point in our lives, broken one of God's laws. And when we sin against God, not just once, for most of us, maybe all of us, has been repeatedly and sometimes unashamedly, when we do that, that puts us in the category of sinners. And in the Bible, this is what God says sinners, that's us, deserve. In the book of Romans chapter six, for the wages of sin is death. Everyone who works knows what a wage is. A wage is something you earn. What God is saying is when you sin, what you earn is death. If God were to treat you the way the world treats you, by what you deserve, by what you earn, then we have all earned death. And when we talk about the death, I mean, when, when God's talking about death here, we understand he's not talking about the, you know, the, the dusty, gooey type of death that happens when you decay in your body and all that. He's also talking about the forever separated from God type of death. Forever separated from God and everything associated with God. That is what this passage is saying too, right? When we ask what we deserve, sinners deserve death. So, it is football season, and I'm pretty excited because I really enjoy my Sundays and going and watching some football. And some of you who are football nerds, you might remember a wide receiver named Chris Carter. You guys remember Chris Carter? He played for the Minnesota Vikings. He's a Hall of Fame wide receiver, played for the Minnesota Vikings probably back before some of you C-markers were even born. But, I mean, he's been playing for a while, right? He's one of the greatest wide receivers to ever play the game. And when I say he's a Hall of Fame wide receiver, I'm assuming you guys know, but let's not assume that you know. If you know anything about football, the Hall of Fame is like the pinnacle of recognition. If you're in the Hall of Fame, you are acknowledged as one of the best to ever play the game at that position. Well, what most of you might not know is that Chris Carter didn't start off on the Minnesota Vikings. He was actually drafted and started off on the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Philadelphia Eagles chose to cut him because they decided he wasn't good enough to play for their team. And after being let go, Chris Carter signs on to the Minnesota Vikings, and it was there that he excelled as a premium NFL receiver. So when Chris Carter was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2013, many years after his retirement, he was inducted as a Minnesota Viking. Now, here's why I'm sharing this story to you all, for those of you who are, it's because you're not into football, right? When Philadelphia cut Chris Carter, they did not get to reap the benefits of his career and accomplishments later. That all left the building when Chris Carter left. Does that make sense? In other words, Philadelphia could not take credit for his Hall of Fame career because they cut him. In the same way, when we cut God out of our lives, 
then we are also in doing so cutting out all the benefits that come with God. That is what the world doesn't seem to understand. The world has this stupid idea that you can cut God out of your life, but still keep all the parts of God that are associated, all the things that are associated with God in our lives. In other words, we believe that we can cut God out, but still get eternal life, eternal peace, eternal joy, unconditional love, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, all the attributes of God, and say, I can cut out God and still have all the things associated with God. We want all of these things without having to deal with God himself, but that is not how God works. That is not how life works. That's like the Philadelphia Eagles coming back after Chris Carter's Hall of Fame career and saying, oh yeah, we were responsible for that career. We should get credit for his Hall of Fame career. That's ridiculous. None of us would give that argument any validity. We all understand that, right? Minnesota was where he had that Hall of Fame career, not Philadelphia. Philadelphia chose to cut him. And so this is how, and I use, I know, football analogy, it's Sunday. That's just where it comes from. But I wanted you to understand that because this is the way many people in the world want God to work isn't going to work. And yet, Romans 6.23 continues, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the rest of the verse, and this is what grace looks like. God basically says, everyone has chosen sin over me. Everyone who chooses sin over me has also, by default, chosen death. That is what all sin choosers and sinners deserve is death. But I love you 